are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Tuesday. Hope you're staying safe as we've got a storm off the coast that's just kind of sitting there. Hopefully you're dry, no damage, anything like that. But today we get a couple of things to talk about. It's a bit of a quieter day in the NBA, which means we get to dive into a few things, some fun, some a little bit more serious. The first one, yes, Giannis watch. This is legitimately a thing that's going to be going on, and it's following a lot of similar patterns that we've seen before here in New Orleans. We've got a social media one, which is always interesting to try and read too much into. We'll cover that in the first segment of the show. Then continuing that center discussion, I want to compare Miles Turner to Derek Favors. Turner is a guy that a lot of people want to bring into New Orleans to pair next to Zion Williamson, but I'm not so sure about that, especially when you factor in his contract. I'll explain why. And then finally, there's a game seven tonight between the Clippers and Nuggets. We're going to do a quick preview of that for y'all and get you set for the games tonight. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So I don't do this segment to be mean. I promise that if you're a Bucks fan in particular, I do this just because I actually think all the stuff of talking about Giannis and his future is completely valid. If we didn't have a history of superstars doing this, and or any NBA player signing their third contract with a team, it's very hard to get people to do that. I wouldn't think much of this, but we do, like significantly so. And there's steps that kind of go along through all of this. So we recently had the Yahoo article about Giannis sitting down with Mark Lazary, the owner of the Bucks, the majority owner of the Bucks, and trying to figure out the future. And he's not going to demand a trade right now. We'll see about the middle of the year or next season what happens. But they're going to offer him the Supermax. And if it goes kind of like what we saw with Anthony Davis, he's not going to accept the Supermax right now. The Supermax, even if he were to get hurt and sit out this entire season upcoming season, whenever it might be, is still going to be there for him with the Bucks. There's no doubt that the Supermax is there unless like he just decides he, he's never playing basketball again. And even then, like a career-ending injury, someone still might give it to him on the chance that maybe, maybe you can get him coming back and, and playing at some point. So I don't think he's worried about turning down the money right now, knowing that you can just sign this next offseason. So he's likely going to turn it down, which ramps this up even higher. When AD didn't sign the Supermax, it ramped things up even higher, right? Then the next step comes in with Lazary saying like, yes, I'll pay the luxury tax. We'll do what it takes to win. Until I see that, I'm not going to believe it. There is a disparity in small and big markets when it comes to this sort of thing. So... Yeah, it's great you say that, but then why did you let Malcolm Brogdon leave? That was big to me. They could have used him in the playoffs, like significantly could have used him in the playoffs, and they didn't have him because they got cheap and acted like a small market, which they are. That's not, you know, I'm not saying they're wrong for doing what's in their best financial interests with everything, but until I see them actually go into the luxury tax and act like they're not a small market and concerned about the finances, I'm not going to believe it. Maybe they do that, and then that changes my opinion on that, and we'll wait and see. Then comes a very predictable step that I just do not understand in something we've seen here in New Orleans, and that is the social media 
unfollowing of the Bucks and teammates on Instagram. What does this mean, right? We went through this with DeMarcus Cousins when he said something like, I'm grown, and then unfollowed like a bunch of the Pelicans players and unfollowed the team on social media. And it was just like, what, why are you doing this? Like, why do we why do we have to make this a thing? Like, what what point are you proving? What are you trying to accomplish by all of this? Don't know. I get kind of cutting down on who you're following on social media. I do it on Twitter at times too. When I kind of go through that list, I'm like, I don't need you on the timeline. I don't need you on the timeline. And I'm not a big Instagram user. So don't quite, uh, not as familiar with that stuff. But it's just kind of a weird thing to do, right? Does this mean he's leaving? Like, no, of course not. Does this mean he hates his teammates? No, of course not. For whatever reason, he just decided to pare down the social media follows. This is something that people tend to do. So I don't think we need to read too much into this. But it is following in the playbook of what we've seen with star players leaving their teams. Like, this is uh, one of the first steps to do to kind of generate stuff. And if you're Giannis... You've got to know that this is how it's going to be perceived, that there are going to be articles written about it, that Locked On Pelicans is going to talk about it, and probably a bunch of other Locked On shows are going to talk about it. So why do this if you're trying not to create drama? And I think that's a bit of a thing. Supposedly, I've seen some Bucks fans say that he does this every single year. What's the point of doing this every year? If you're following someone, are you just following them for a year because you want to see their pictures for uh, you know 365 days and then it's like, oh no, I'm done here. Is this some sort of like survivor game show where you boot people off who don't put up good enough I don't know, pictures? It's, it's just a weird thing. And then it's going to make people, including us here, read a little too much into it when we probably shouldn't. But like, it's one of those things that I just don't quite understand. So... Yeah, we're going to talk about it. And this has got to mean that, you know, to some degree, they're not as good as they could be with with Giannis and the Bucks, or things aren't as good as they could be with Giannis and the Bucks. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's a little strange to see this happen, but it's following the playbook. I'm not saying he's leaving, but it's following. And I love nothing more than him staying there. Be a win for small markets. And in a way, that's like an indirect win for New Orleans. But yeah, a little bit weird. Coming up here on Locked On Pelicans, Miles Turner. Is he good fit? I know a lot of people like him. I'm not I'm not sold on this, and I'll explain why, and I've got some good statistics on this. So coming up, we'll talk a little bit about him as a trade target. Before that, though, today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Chain auto parts stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and always reliably low. Save a little bit of money by doing the car repair yourself. Keeping your car running and up-to-date on maintenance is really important. And then save even more money by buying what you need from rockauto.com. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account logging. It's a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have literally everything you're going to need. Brake pads, motor oil, tail lamps, Carpeting, whether it's a classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices, yes, prices, you prefer. Because those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. And the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Do not spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts 
spots available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. The only daily show, Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. A couple of other shows on the network have been doing a trade target Tuesday. Now that we're in the offseason, that sounds kind of fun. And this one's inspired by my friend Zach, who sent me a text asking about a trade of J.J. Redick and Josh Hart for Miles Turner. So let's first look at Miles Turner in a vacuum before looking at that trade. I think it came from the Clutch Points app, which you might have seen some of the Locked On Pelican stuff on there too, as we partnered with them recently. So Miles Turner is a guy that a lot of people like and think would pair very well next to Zion Williamson. And, and in one sense, you're correct. In one sense. He's a, he's a decent enough three-point shooter for a big. For his career, let me pull up the numbers here. I have him on another window. He shoots... 35.7% from deep. Rounded up, call it 36%. It's not bad. It's not amazing. It's on decent enough volume this past season, four attempts per game, making 34%. So not great there. For his career, it's just 2.1 attempts per game. So the volume isn't massive. This is not a Nikola Jokic type of thing. And when and we'll talk about Jokic in the next segment. When you look at how he's carried this Nuggets team, and he might be the best player in the series to a degree. It's either him or Kawhi Leonard, like has played the best in the series. He does so many things that you need to be successful at. Like you just need to be a multifaceted player. You've got to do multiple things well and not just kind of be a one-trick guy, unless it's just like a minutes dude who, who soaks up a few minutes here and there and shoots open threes. Otherwise, you've got to do a couple of things well. If you're not doing that, I don't know how much of an impact you're going to make. So if you're going to look at Miles Turner and be like, look, man, he, he shoots the three well. And like, that's all you've got for Miles Turner. Like, we, we can move on from this discussion. Because if you actually compare him to Derek Favors... It doesn't nearly come out as well in Turner's favor that you would think. In fact, his rebounding is pretty poor. He only averaged for his career 6.7 rebounds per game. It was 6.6 last year, 7.2 the year before that. He's not a tremendous rebounder, which is a little bit concerning. Derek Favors last season, 9.8 rebounds per game. Rounded up, called 12, 6.6 for Miles Turner. There's a significant difference there of over three per game. Given how important rebounding was to the Pelicans last year and the inability to grab those boards at times, if you play a similar style of ball and you may, or even in the half court, you need to be able to get those defensive rebounds in end possessions. Otherwise, your defense is going to struggle. I don't know if Turner is going to help you on that end. So the Lockdown Network, we've recently got access to the B-Ball Index, bballindex.com. And so the data I'm going to use comes from them. They've got pretty innovative tools and they've got 500 plus player profiles that's available to you for just $5 a month or $50 a year over at bball-index.com. And I like this tool to be able to compare guys and see how they grade out in certain things. And if you look at their just kind of quick comparison on this, Really, the only things that Miles Turner beats out Derek Favors in is perimeter shooting, certainly, and slightly on the interior defense, but it's not by much. In fact, turn, um, Favors is a better rebounder, both offense and defensive. He's a better playmaker, if even though they're kind of close. It's just it's slightly in the favor of Miles uh, of Derek Favors, even though both of these guys aren't great. He's a better role man than Miles Turner is. 
and he's a better finisher at Miles than Miles Turner is, as well as working off ball. These guys, other than the three point shooting, I don't think it's it's all that close. To be perfectly honest with you, in terms of off ball stuff, you like a little bit more of what Derek Favors does. He's just much more. Uh, uh, movement oriented on offense. He's moving. He doesn't stand still. And that is something that you see a good bit from Turner, particularly if he's on the three point line, he just kind of hangs there, which is fine. He's got some court gravity to him, though. I don't know if it's as much as people really think it is because he's not the best shooter. They're not necessarily covering him out there as much. If you bring in a three point shooter to put alongside Zion, they need to have someone going out there and cover him. They need to have that three point gravity. Otherwise it's still going to be Zion against two dudes down low or two guys um, double teaming Brandon Ingram. It's not going to do you any good unless that gravity's there. And frankly, for total three point gravity, miles Turner three point shooting big, right? Grades out as a C minus. He does not, grayed out well in the percentile of court gravity. In fact, it's the 42nd percentile. He's not as good of a three-point threat as maybe some of the credit gets to him. Right there, I think we can kind of end this discussion a little bit. He's a better one-on-one player, but we don't want to be playing that kind of post-up style of one-on-one that Miles Turner would be doing. So I just don't really see it nearly as much I guess, compared to Derek Favors. And I think that is an important thing to really consider and to really look at when it comes to these two guys. Now, the trade itself of giving up J.J. Redick and Josh Hart for Miles Turner for a guy that I don't think is all that good, like, no, we're not going to do that. That you just need to do to get the salaries together. The other thing is Miles Turner's contract. He's got three more years at $18 million a year. For a guy that isn't that impactful out there on the court, that isn't that good of a defender, I don't know if I'm very excited about paying someone that much money, which is about, was a little bit less than what Derek Favors making this year, a little bit less, not by much, to, to do all of that. And so for those, like all of those reasons, I think I'm kind of out on Miles Turner as a big when you really look at him compared to what the Pelicans have this year. Now, if you don't get Derek Favors back and you want to bring a big man in, I think you can get similar to what Miles Turner is giving you just at a much cheaper rate, which, yeah, at that point is kind of how you want it to be. Efficiency when it comes to the numbers and the salary cap. So I'm kind of out on Miles Turner. So coming up tonight, we got a game one and a game seven. We'll look at the game seven since I think that's the more interesting one between Denver Nuggets, the Los Angeles Clippers here coming up in just a moment. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. All right, game seven tonight between the Los Angeles Clippers and the Denver Nuggets. This is a surprise. Like, no one saw the Denver Nuggets getting this to a game seven in the series, beating the Clippers, who probably either them or the, you know, at the one point, the Bucks probably too, have been favored for making the NBA Finals or to win the NBA title. The Clippers with Paul George and freaking Kawhi Leonard, they're in a game seven where they're facing elimination, is just straight up surprising. But Denver's done a number of things well that just as a Pelicans fan make me like so damn jealous of so many things. One, it's in Nikola Jokic, who if they want to win tonight, basically needs to be unstoppable again. He was pretty unstoppable in game five and in game six really went on a bit of a heater that gave them the lead and allowed him to secure the win. Denver did. And they've got to keep feeding with him and they need him to be making those three point shots. 
and have guys following him out there on the three-point line. He's burned every team he's played when you leave him out there up there on the perimeter because you think he's big or kind of forget who it is. And then he drains a three or two or three in a row. And all of a sudden, the game's been blown wide open. They're going to guard him up there. And that makes things so much easier for Jamal Murray. Murray, who has lit it up in the playoffs. And we've talked about it. I told you the story about why Dell Demps picked Buddy Heald over Jamal Murray after that workout that Jamal Murray had here in New Orleans that he shouldn't have had in the first place. And if you haven't heard that story, go back and listen to that podcast because it's a really cool behind the scenes story that hasn't been told before. Jamal Murray can get it done with a three point shot. But if you look at him in game six, he was just about as aggressive as I've ever seen a player try and be. He just wanted to drive and attack the rim. Because he had more space to do it. Because Jokic was on the perimeter draining threes. And so he just kept going and going and going and relentlessly attacked the rim. You need that? Absolutely need that in your guards. New Orleans doesn't have that. They have it to some degree in Drew Holiday, but they do not have that in a guy like Lonzo Ball. It's unfortunate. We really wish he did. But you need that. Murray in that game six only took two threes. The rest of it was him trying to score and attack the rim. If you go look at his shot chart, you need a guy who can be able to do it. It makes me, again, jealous here that that's going on. An interesting thing over game five and six, too, is different lineups that Malone has been using. He's run two lineups that never played together in the regular season and played them in crunch time in both of those games. Looking at how he trusts his guys like that and can come up and realize on the fly a lineup combination that will work or has been working in this game and now you've got to play it here even though they haven't played significant minutes at all and only played sparingly in a few combinations in the playoffs is really impressive as a head coach to me. Knowing what it would work and then countering and coming up with the right counter. That's not easy to do. Part of the reason those lineups didn't play together a whole lot is Michael Porter Jr., who didn't really play during the regular season and really only kind of found his footing in the bubble here in the NBA. So, yeah, there's not a lot of stuff on those because they should have played more during the regular season. But because Porter Jr. wasn't playing like that, well, there you go. But it's interesting to see that he goes to an unproven lineup and trusts that lineup to do some work. And they won him the game. You couldn't have seen Alvin Gentry doing that, right? And so... That's kind of some of the interesting things in the series. You have a guard that is just relentless at trying to pound the interior of this defense. A big who can create for others with his passing score inside and, of course, shoot three-pointers. Like Jokic is going going to end up, if he keeps playing like this for a couple more years, it's going to go down as one of the most unique big men we've ever seen in NBA history. That's the trajectory he's on right now. And if they can get a little bit of the defense going and they found ways to kind of slow down Paul George and Kawhi Leonard at least run through a lot of screens on defense and make their life harder so that it takes some out of them offensively. They can do some really good work here and potentially can kind of win. They're also a swingy team. Like there's, there's no kind of getting around that. This is a terrifying game to try and bet on or something like that because Denver, if their offense is really going and the three point shot is really falling for them, well then, Okay, they're going to do really, really well. But sometimes they don't. And you've kind of seen that from them when they just go cold shooting and don't have a chance. So being kind of a high-variance, swingy team like that, I think, makes it absolutely terrifying because you don't know what you're going to get. I don't know if this one's going to be close. It might be if it'll be close if Denver ends up winning, but I think they could also get just run out if things aren't going their way in terms of shots. And I don't know if you're going to see the best offense in this game. So it's going to be interesting to 
see what comes out of this one. And I'm excited. Game sevens always kind of get me excited, particularly NBA playoffs, particularly between two teams that really, really want this one, including the Clippers, who have so many expectations on them. Hopefully they can rise to the occasion. You would imagine Kawhi Leonard can. But what about playoff P, Paul George, who has struggled at times in the postseasons, uh, in the postseason this year. So we're going to see. And I can't wait to watch this one tonight, hopefully with power. And hopefully no one else is going to take much damage here in New Orleans. And if you're in Mississippi or Alabama, hopefully you're doing okay with all of that. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.